0: Greetings, this is Carl, and you are listening to Behavior Gap Radio, which is the podcast for members of the Society of Real Financial Advisors all over the world. Now, I want to talk about niches today, and I was going to do this in a series, but I want to try something. We've gotten feedback from many of you that you love the short. (laughs) The shortness of this podcast. But some of you have said, hey, I'd love a longer episode as well. So we're going to try a longer episode today and just see what happens. I'm going to throw everything at you that I think about niches. This is just sort of my thinking around it over the last 20 years. And instead of cutting it up into episodes, we're just going to give the whole thing to you. We may run it for maybe a week or two to let you get caught up. So here we go. Niches. Niches. First, let's talk a little bit about how most financial advisors you know, get into and grow the, their businesses and it's typically by accident. Right? We just we, we, Many of us got into this industry by accident. Maybe we were in the banking field or insurance or we were, we were an accountant and we ended up as a financial advisor. I'm excited to tell you that I'm seeing more and more real financial advisors who got into this industry on purpose from the beginning and found the right training and that's great. And, but even there, I think we tend to build our business sort of just like, geez, who could we find as clients? Let's just get anybody. Let's take anybody. I, we've got to grow this thing. And one of the the benefits of thinking about having a niche that you serve is that you can do this on purpose, right? You can identify this niche early on and you can build your business development. I may even use the term marketing. <laughs> I may even say sales at some point in this podcast, so please forgive me. What I mean is business development, right? Like we're professionals, we don't use the term sales or marketing. (laughs) But please forgive me if I do, because I actually like sales, and I like marketing, and I think it's all okay. By doing, sort of thinking about niches early on, you can do your business development planning and strategy intentionally instead of sort of just by accident taking anybody that comes in off the street. So that's one of the benefits. There's some huge benefits in terms of ongoing service too, because you start to hear the same things when you develop a niche. You start to hear about the same concerns, the same worries, and you've solved them before. So it's so nice in your head at least to be able to say, oh, I've heard this before. I know exactly where we're going. Of course, you're going to let the client tell you anyway because they've got to feel invested in this process, but often you've you've got the benefit, and it's so cool to be able to think like, this person here, let's say you work with emergency room doctors in your geographic area, right? And in my mind, because that's what I did, and in my mind I used to always think like, it's so cool, this person's gonna get the benefit of the hundreds of conversations I've had with people just like her before. So there's some benefits to ongoing service too that we're gonna talk about, but marketing and being intentional about marketing is a a really powerful benefit around niche marketing. So let's talk a little bit around about niches and what they are, because there's some confusion that, I don't know that confusion is the right way to put it. I think you need to be really clear about what type of niche you're talking about. And I think of them as in two, Broad categories. One is a is an occupational or professional niche, and the reason that occupational or professional niches are are, are I think really powerful is because you're you're you've identified a group of people that have unique challenges. Meaning that group has a set of unique challenges, right? They don't individually each have unique ch- Of course they do. We all individually have unique challenges, but they share a set of challenges unique to that group. Now, I'll give you an example. I worked with a lot of physicians and more specifically, and this is really important, I worked with physicians who tended to be shift workers. Right. I used to. I, I heard them refer to themselves as lunchbox guys or lunchbox gals. They didn't all say that, but I heard it enough that that was a good metaphor for me. And what they meant by that was like, look, I don't have any of the headache of plant and equipment, office, staff, HR. I don't do any of that stuff. I show up, I do my shift, I go home. And the typical doctors that I, that I ended up building my niche among were three specialties, emergency medicine, anesthesia and radiology and it was kind of in that order in terms of the number of doctors I worked with. But they all shared that same, most of those specialties were these sort of shift workers. They'd show up at the hospital, they'd leave and they'd go home. And so they all had similar opportunities for retirement plans. They shared similar tax challenges and opportunities to solve those there was a mindset that I noticed that was shared among them. Many of them were in medicine because they loved medicine and doing shift work was the best way to just focus on medicine rather than, again, HR and plants and equipment and all those other concerns. And then what I also found was many of them, when they were done with their shift, they wanted to get out of there and go have fun. You know, whether that was golfing, in my case, it was mainly at, outdoor sort of recreational pursuits because that's what i like and it's where i lived where i lived attracted and you know people wanted to work there for those reasons so again but the professional or occupational niche the sort of hallmark of it and the reason it's so valuable is because they share financial they have similar people in that niche have similar financial challenges or financial planning opportunities and now i don't think Yeah, no, let's review. So why does that matter? Well, it matters because you can build your content marketing program around those challenges. You can start to speak their language. You can use a term like lunchbox, guys. In fact, let me give you another example. We explored for a while a niche, and I had a good friend who I helped explore this niche, of dentists. And we heard in our research among dentists, we heard them use the word "unchained" from the chair. The phrase "unchained from the chair." We heard that more than one time, and what it was was, you know, it was in context of them saying, "Gosh, someday I just, I just feel like I'm chained to the chair." We actually, that's kind of what we heard. Was that it just feels like I'm chained to the chair? Someday I want to, you know, not feel so chained to the chair. And so we were able to use that in a white paper that we wrote, and the title of the white paper was "Unchained from the Chair." And it was around, you know, the, the first paragraph essentially said this white paper explores the unique challenges that dental, dental professionals face, face in Southeast or in Southern Nevada, right? That's where we lived at the time. So it was very specific. Dental professionals, sou- Southern Nevada, right? And the interesting thing about occupational niches is, is it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be geographically limited, right? If you work with dentists, Um, You may want to get more specific, right? We work with dentists who own their dental practice. We work with dentists who have less than five employees who own their dental practice. And again, the reason for that narrowing is not some arbitrary, weird rule, like having a minimum or something. It's that will self-select people who share unique challenges, who who share similar challenges and again, back to your sales and marketing, your content marketing strategy. That's the benefit. You can start talking about those challenges. Gosh, I talked to one dentist today who wanted to establish a you know, a, a retirement plan and because he only has five employees, he was able to do this, this and this. Right? That's the benefit of that. You start to hear the similar things and you can write about them and share the solutions in your content marketing strategy because remember your prospective clients do not care and i I, i'm going to say a lot of things today and this is almost like a tangent but it may be the most important thing so you may want to pay attention and even write this down your potential clients do not care about your solutions they care about their problems your potential clients do not care about your solutions they care about their problems niche marketing and building a niche, a a content marketing strategy based on a niche allows you to talk about their problems because you'll have understood them, you'll heard about, you'll have heard about them and you can even use their words like unchained from the chair, right? So powerful. Okay, so that's the marketing benefit of a occupational niche or a professional niche. Let's talk real quickly about the other kind of niche, which I'm also a fan of. It's just a little more difficult. And this I think of as a recreational niche or a hobby niche. And it would be around, like for me, I ended up sort of building a, part of my professional niche was also a recreational niche. I worked with a lot of ER doctors and anesthesia a- anesthesiologists who and, rec- and radiologists who like to play outside. Now that was almost just a kind of a coincidence based on where I lived. And a lot of the marketing I did was, right, I would go skiing with one emergency room doctor and he would bring his colleague another emergency room doctor, who also happened to like to ski because we were skiing, right? And they would say, you should work with Carl because he understands emergency room doctors and we would be skiing and then he would bring, that guy that guy or girl would become a client and they would bring their colleague who was a rock climber and we'd go rock climbing. So, so it just happened naturally for me, but I know people who focus really specifically on people who love wine, you know, or f- food in general. Like I've, I've, we've coached some advisors that uh, have niches of kind of foodies. And again, you could see the, I mean, hopefully your wheels are already turning in your mind on things that you could do to market there, right? You could organize a once a month food event. Where you have a local restaurant host 12 of your, you know, six of your clients and they each bring a guest. And you don't even talk necessarily about money at all because part of your job is to make sure they're enjoying their lives. And when they ask you, sort of scratching their heads, like, why are you doing this? You say, look, part of my job is to make sure you enjoy your life. So I'm going to, I've heard from you. You love food. We've lined up this local chef who's opened his kitchen. We're going to go in an hour before opening. He's going to prepare us a meal. You know, that sort of thing. I've heard plenty of stories around people who have a niche around a specific sports team. You know, in the United States, you hear a lot about this around college football. And if, if, I, if I've heard the story correctly, Ron Carson um, has built, you know, did build a huge business around Nebraska football. So again, you can, you could think of all the things you could do there marketing wise. Now the challenge with occupation, uh, sorry, recreational niches, if you will, is they don't all share similar, unless the, unless the hobby requires some sort of financial thing. You know, I could think of like, I've also heard of people who've built niches around private pilots. Well, maybe there's, there's some financial implications of being a private pilot that you would know really well, but. Foodies, right, or supporters of Nebraska football, don't necessarily all share, right? Because you could have a, you could have an attorney that's that owns his own firm, you could have a doctor that works at a clinic, and you could have an entrepreneur that just sold his business for a hundred million. They all support Nebraska football. They don't. Other than that, they may not have much in common, right? So that's the challenge. It's not to say I wouldn't do it. I think it's really cool. It leads to some amazing business development opportunities that are so fun that they don't even feel like work. Right? But I think the perfect scenario is blending those two. Right? So how about architects that own their own firm with less than 10 employees that love Nebraska football. I mean, right? So so you can just think through that. Now, here's the thing that's scary about those thinking through those niches. The narrower the better. Gosh, that's scary when you're first getting started. The narrower the better. By saying no to some opportunity, you may be saying yes to a much bigger one. I, um, I haven't interviewed these guys, but I heard a story from a really reliable source of two CPAs who built a good accounting practice in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And they wanted to leave accounting and uh, start their own wealth management firm. And they set a minimum, I'm only using this as, as an example of saying no, right? They set a minimum of $10 million right out of the gate, and despite having no clients and being brand new to the business. And it took them something like 13 or 14 months to get their first client. And then they went to a billion over the next 12 months, a billion in, in assets under management. Right? And I'm not... I don't want to spend any time here on minimums. I'm just using that as an example of saying no, and that getting you to a much bigger yes. Now, believe me, uh, particularly those of you getting started, uh, I know you've got to balance that with reality, right? And and if there's an opportunity for you to help people that are kind of outside of your niche or below a minimum or any of those rules that uh, you know veterans run around telling you you should do, well, you've got to balance that with reality. You know, do you need to? be fully engaged and helpful to those people in an honest, ethical way so you can build your business. That, that's, that's something that you, only you can really determine. But I would encourage you that the more you focus on the niche, the better off you are. And once you identify it, saying no to others. And, and it's pretty easy no, right? Like, you know, I'm totally focused here on working with dentists in Southern Nevada. So you know what? what you need is so-and-so and and i'd be happy to refer you like you're always helpful right so the earlier, the quicker you can be focused. And again, sometimes these niches develop naturally, like maybe it's that you just explore, you almost have like a personality niche, right? <laughs> Somebody you like to deal with, their situation is complex enough that you can add value and be really helpful to them. And they have enough money that you can, that it's worth it to them and you for you to be focused there. And you take on clients like that for a while. And making sure you never take on anybody you would regret, right? So they, they can't, be somebody, you doesn't matter how much money you get paid, you can't take on somebody you would not like to serve. And clearly it doesn't matter how much you'd get paid. If you can't be valuable to them, you're not gonna take them on. And you take them on and then maybe you'll look up one day and go, oh wow, look of my 25 clients, I've got 10 that are technology salespeople, technology sales reps. And you start leaning into that, right? Like sort of, I think of it as maybe pulling on that thread. So you didn't identify it in advance, but once it became sort of once it became clear to you that you you had developed a little niche by getting you know a number of clients and and it may only be by a number it may only be two you may say I have two technology sales reps as clients I really like working with them and I've noticed that they share in some similar so far, at least these two have similar challenges that I really know I can add a ton of value to their lives. I'm going to explore that. Well, that leads to, oh, it's such a huge up. Even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking of like the questions you could ask them to write more content marketing around them to understand their needs. And let me just mention that real quickly. All that is, is being pretending like you're an investigative journalist at that point and going to them and saying, hey, I really have enjoyed working with you. can can I ask you some questions about what is it that you like what we've done? You've had financial advisors in the past. hasn't worked out. What didn't work out? You know, all of that stuff. Again, all of this hinting back at the value of niches. So I think we've talked a little bit about why having a niche would be beneficial to you from a marketing perspective. We've talked about these two different uh sort of ways of thinking about niches and how to explore each of them and maybe how maybe how to blend them you know professional and uh or occupational and sort of recreational or based on hobbies and then we've talked about the benefit of sort of focusing on a niche i want to talk just for a second here about the benefit to you in terms of client service Uh, this is huge for me so now let's say you've built a business built on niches and you've got 50 emergency room doctors as clients it's so beautiful right at that point because it gives you this amazing sense of the value you're bringing to their lives because every single one of them is getting the benefit of the other 49 relationships when one of them brings up an issue and you go research that issue and solve that issue you're you're just building the collective wisdom of the whole group right to a large degree the value that they'll never understand and we we should communicate this and i always did but the value that you that they they, they don't even know they're getting is you essentially saying do you realize you're getting the you're harnessing the collective experience that i've got now through literally hundreds of conversations with people just like you at least people from an occupational perspective just like you oh you know you're dealing with that challenge guess what so and so and so and so obviously you're not going to mention their names but client x client y and client z all face that challenge and here's what we did to help them so powerful the other thing you're building is an amazing network of out of centers of influence you know sort of aligned professionals that also deal with them. So if a client says to you, an ER doctor says to you, I got this problem, you can say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. In fact, I've never run across it, which is really interesting to me. But guess what? I will find you an answer. Boom, you get off the phone, you've got three CPAs and four attorneys that you've run across that deal with, that deal with emergency room physicians just like you do, right? So, so it, it's so powerful in terms of ongoing client service and again your ability to proactively bring ideas because one of the members of your niche, you know, this technology sales person over here noticed that there's this amazing, you know, new benefit in their benefit structure plan that they bring to your attention. You do the research and then you can say, "Hey, some of you might notice in the coming months as your new benefit plans are announced this new feature." Right? Like so you're you may be more aware, in fact, you pro- in fact you will be better educated on their retirement plan packages and their benefit packages than they are. And that's amazing. And think of all the things that gives you in terms of your ability, to, your content marketing and sort of client service marketing that you're going to be able to provide to them. So that's a little bit about ongoing service. Uh, I just want to sort of wrap up here by sort of re-emphasizing the point here rather than just stumbling around niche marketing can be an incredibly powerful i've seen some amazing things done and again uh you know maybe it doesn't have to be a local a geographic niche i mean it can be But if you become known as the person that deals with teachers, for instance, as I've seen a member of the Society of Real Financial Advisors do very effectively, teachers become known nationwide as somebody who deals with teachers. That's pretty easy to do now with marketing, right? Like with, sorry, with all this sort of, I'm trying not to use social media tools, but with all the tools available to us online to become known as an expert, it's becoming more and more easy. Why not, start a, why not start your blog? Publish on Medium. Write for your local paper. Uh, send in comments to the editors at uh, Forbes or Fortune on how you deal with this niche. And you get a couple of things published and suddenly you become known as the person who deals with emergency room physicians all over, or emergency medicine physicians all over the world, to be honest, right? Which is something that happened to me. So, and then it gives you so much, I mean, your leverage, I, that's, that might be the way to wrap this up is one word, just leverage. Niches allow you to leverage in so many ways and leverage for the benefit of your clients. That's the coolest part about this whole thing is we're leveraging our ability to help people by having a niche. Now, I'd be super curious about your experiences with niches, interesting niches, and I get kind of fired up about the more narrow the better I've heard some pretty narrow niches and it's pretty, pretty cool when you become known as the person that deals with, you know, insert super narrow niche. Because again, remember, you know, if built right, you only need, I mean, a hundred clients. Many of you have really profitable, exciting businesses making a real meaningful impact for 25 or 50. So that could be a pretty narrow group. But the idea behind it is leverage in terms of your ability to, you're leveraging your ability to help people by identifying a niche. I hope that's helpful. As always, shoot me your emails. And that wraps up another, this is sort of a longer episode of Behavior Gap Radio, the podcast for members of the Society of Real Financial Advisors.